It's the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Cardo. Uh, John, can you shuffle these cards for me? Yep. Okay. He's about uh, to show me a, a trick. Something I, that I've I've practiced zero times. Great. Read about how good magic usually starts. Yeah. Yeah. What's good is just to show it to a very critical eye, like the very first time you ever do it. Right. And here <laughs> but we I go. just read just about it. One for the microphone. Yeah. Okay, that didn't work. <laughs> it was pretty good. Hold on, one more. Yeah, satisfying. This is like there's some like the pe- AS people well, don't like um like sounds of uh eating, I don't think. On my <laughs> exactly. But I think people do kind of like sounds of uh cards. cards. Yeah. What is the name of those kind of videos where like you have the really sensitive sounds? Oh, ASMR. ASMR, thank yeah. you. Rarely is it ever eating. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pull some cards out of the deck. Uh, can you keep it? Uh, it's mostly in the suits. So okay. this is the Four of Hearts. That's Four of Hearts. At home. Um, let's see what else we're going to put. Oops. Uh, 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 uh. Um, oh, you did a very good job shuffling. <laughs> oh, you really did. Oh, you know what? This. Why wonder, did you ask me to shuffle that? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this is... Um, here. This is the Jack of? Clubs. Clubs. Jack clubs. That's the Jack of Clubs. I wonder if we can... Uh, um, I, uh, for, first of all, I hope this deck is complete. <laughs> I just grabbed this <laughs> off the table. Uh, three of hearts. Good, you got that. All right, and let's just pull one more. Oh, did we pull a jack already? Uh, yeah, you yeah, did this j- one. Jack of spades. Cool. That's jack of spades. But we had a jack of clubs in there. Yep, there we go. Um, so we they're they're face down on the table. That's why I, down. I had to think about that. Uh, he picked. Uh, we picked them. They're just random. Uh, wait, let me see. We might. Can we do four, or five cards? We'll do four. Okay. Okay. So can you? Uh, just touch one of these. I'm going to push it forward. We're going to keep it face down. Uh, that sorry, one. in the from the spread. Oh, see, this is a, a bad uh, audience management. I mean, from oh, the, from the spread. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to keep that face down. <laughs> I did it twice. Yeah. The, the, uh, the wrong thing. <laughs> no, that's bad audience management, as they say. Uh, so these four cards here that that came out, we're going to uh, just move these around. I don't really, okay. I don't want to know what order they're in. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so uh let me think of how this let me i can peek at this one <laughs> okay according to my instructions <laughs> okay um and can you just point at one of these good um so if we just switch this out it's not important that this one goes back exactly right back in the same spot in the spread um but we'll switch it out for the card that you touched which is the ace of diamonds okay and what's great is because you picked that card what do we have? Jack, we have a couple Jack, of Jack Spades, Jack Clubs, Four Hearts. Yeah, actually, we ended up with... Oh, Four Aces. Four Aces. Oh, that's pretty cool. On the table. There's a little bit of handling I have to figure out how to do. Where's that? Where's this trick from? This is Alex Hansford. Okay. Yeah. That's a made-up name, I think. No, that's a real guy. Okay. Uh, I, sent him a, you, I sent you a video of him recently, of him doing this uh, eight kings changing to eights or whatever, and it was really smooth. Uh, oh, yes. British yes, guy. Yes, you did send me that. That yeah. was pretty good. Yeah. That was so, cool. Just learn that. That has a switch in it that I did I, not know about. That switch looked very good. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he must be doing a switch right now, but it looked good. I had to think about it. For yeah, a there's two. So do you, there's two different moves in that. There's the switch to get the aces on the table, I think. Yes. Uh huh. And then is, there's the switch of the card. So this is interesting. Uh, we'll do this for radio. Okay. Um, so it's. Whoa! Just, it's just. <laughs> it's just. I show you seven of clubs. Yeah. Then I do that. Um,. But what's interesting that in one of his notes is is that if you do it, I'm spreading this the reverse of the way I would normally spread cards. I'm going oh, right to left. Oh, if you do a reverse spread, it's easier to do. Well, no, it covers up this. Oh, uh, covers up the pip. Yep, I see. So that you don't see because if I do it this way, you're going to basically see like every single time we pick I a card, see. there's going to be that card in. Got it. I was. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting subtlety to it. Uh, and then the other one is a Darren Brown one, which is this is the card you want to keep, and you just like that. Right. 
uh, which I want to do it without noise because I keep going like. <laughs> well, you, yeah, what you do is you uh, uh, cough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can also when you do this, or you take a bite of food and you give on. Right, or you go like this. You go no switch, <laughs> like that. I, well, what's funny is there actually isn't a switch, so because it's this. Right. Like, it's it's. It looks very it, good. It, it like is a switch and it isn't a switch. Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Okay. Alex Hansford's gonna sue us now. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, well, I didn't. I don't think I revealed any actual. We didn't actually show anything. Did I'll click on the link to, to download uh, this trick. Yeah. It's a pirated version that we have. Um. So, uh, John was uh, nice enough to come around to... Uh, I'm directing a show called Thrones, the musical parody. Yeah, you are. Uh, you are doing that. I don't know if that's the weird way of saying that. Australia. That's exciting. Tonight. It's going to tonight. They're leaving for Australia tonight. And um, earlier in the week, I was showing them magic uh, tricks, and they were all impressed, and they were very minor tricks. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking about Magic Castle, and I was like, oh, we'd love to go to Magic Castle. But coordinating like nine people to go... That's tough. It's tough, and they're, they don't have money to like pay for dinner and that kind of stuff. Sure. So I said, hey, John, can you come to rehearsal? The last day as a reward for them working hard. They like rehearsed for 10 days straight, 10 to 6 p.m. Yeah. So, that room smelled terrible. <laughs> yeah. So and I got them pizza and they watched you do magic. And yeah. uh, I did like 25 minutes. Very fun. And one of them was something I hadn't seen before. That was yes, that is. Uh, uh, it was like a Danny Dartis trick that I yeah. learned that's off on those DVDs. That's a lot of fun. It's really good. It, it, it's a really strong reaction. Yeah. Um, but it's so like Danny Dartis. So you know, what's that more. one called? Uh, it's I, it's it's like math trick or something like that something very yeah, well, it's generic. Funny, in the script you kept saying like it's about math. <laughs> that's like, that was that's the whole yeah. thing. The whole bit is that you put this basically algorithm into the cards, and if you kind of move all of them around at a very specific spot, yeah. it'll work. But you're just doing nonsense, and nobody you're going so yeah. fast that none of the people you're doing the trick with can keep up. So there's no way that anyone did the same thing as you, and then the trick still works for everybody. <laughs> the fun thing in that is seeing the audience. Like catch on that the math part is bullshit, right? <laughs> Which is something I want to. That's probably I want to have a little bit more control over that arc. Is yeah. something I want to do with the. That's trick. probably the nuance of it is like how far to push that and how soon to like let them in on it, right? You know, because um, there was a moment, a genuine moment of just like, is this genuinely going wrong? Like right. <laughs> somebody said that like after the trick worked. Uh, I think his name oh was Ian, Ian was like I knew for, I thought for sure this he's was like screwed up. I would like, I've never been more sure that that was not going to work. Yeah. Now, John, not being a good uh, solo entrepreneur, uh, basically ignored all my questions about how much I could pay you to come do that. Oh, right. Yeah. That's correct. And then you mentioned in the performance that you weren't getting yes. paid. Yes. If, how about this? Uh, if you just buy me lunch, we'll call yeah. it even. No, no. I have something better for you. So this is my reward to you for doing Oh, no. <laughs> I think I'm going to prefer lunch when you show this. No, you're going to prefer Oh, my lunch. God. That's for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, how did you know? <laughs> I bought one for myself. Oh, Oh wow! <laughs> oh, I really wanted this. It just came out. This is uh, pornography. Yeah, <laughs> this <laughs> is an old listening. Sears catalog. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is the Magic Rainbow by Juan Tamariz. Yeah, Juan Tamariz just came out this week at Penguin yes. Magic. Oh, and I've heard about this book, and it wasn't in English, and I really wanted it. It's yeah. so much bigger. Uh, I I got to see Juan Tamariz do like a four hour workshop at FISM last year, and he uh. said that it, like it was being translated. He's very excited about it, and he, he said, I kind of hoped he would do this. He said that all s- books are going to be printed with like a soft cover for you to sleep on because it's so boring. Oh, and so interesting. I was, I was hoping he would do that. So I have read part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've read a little bit of it, and it is very. It's really heady, I believe. It probably, I think it may strike people as very tedious. <laughs> this book is maybe one of the thickest magic books I've ever seen. It's a large book. It's a large, heavy book. It's pick coming to the to the gram later. So I didn't know anything about it. This book, um, 
it seems to be almost exclusively about philosophy and theory. Yes, that is it is. I don't think there's a single trick in this. Book. Like there's no like get your deck and do this setup and then you'll be able to do this. It's almost all just about like Yeah. I've studied psychology and the rhythm of doing, you know, like where to put the rhythm time of life, and, sure. Yeah. It's it's weird the back half is just the lyrics for the rhythm of life. Yeah. Sweet Charity. Over and over <laughs> yeah. again. It's not a long song. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. Have you read the other one, Magic Way? I have read the Magic Way. Magic Way is great. Magic Way has a lot of tricks in it. If you're interested uh-huh. in that, okay. So it has some ideas. I believe I was given that for Christmas. Oh, cool. Yes, I I did recommend it to your husband when yes. he asked me what magic things you. And I, I got said, that, and I got Bobo's coin magic. Uh, both of which he actually he knew about Bobo's already. I think he'd mentioned that to him. Yeah. Uh, also, to those listeners, uh, we are a few days late. Sorry about that. Oh well, yes, uh, we were both pretty busy. I mean, I was busy with rehearsals, and yeah. you were busy with a project as well. Yeah, with the project. Um, um and also, John does mock trial stuff. <laughs> I do mock trial stuff. <laughs> that took you out bit. of town, too. Yeah, uh, taking me out of town next week. I'm going to, uh, yeah. at Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, cool. UCLA. Um, but we might get another episode in before you... We're going to go, I think, on Wednesday is the, yeah. is the, plan. Uh, um, the plan. So what? Uh, what's your feeling about... I mean, everybody loves Juan Tamariz. Yeah. It, people, is he considered the greatest magician alive right now? Um, by some... Those including me, probably. Yeah. I think he's just one of like the last like living true masters. Right. Uh, because I think he has so much influence. I mean, I think Spain has just been just an absolute like juggernaut of magic for, for decades. And I think he's a major part of the tradition that's making that possible. So all these people that are just absolutely doing incredible things, Danny Dortiz and uh, Hector Mancha and Miguel Angel Hay and Miguel Munoz, all of these people Aussie kind wind? of... Uh, he, he's Israeli. Oh, right. He's Israeli. Why do I always think he's Spanish? I know, this is the, but this is... This the is second time of, I've said yeah, it. Yeah, this has come up before. Yeah. Uh, but there's just so much incredible, incredible, incredible magic coming out of Spain. It's this beautiful school of like tradition and thought. Uh, that he had such a big part along with um, Ascanio of creating, and uh, he's just. It's interesting incredible. how. Is Ascanio alive or not? No, Ascanio died maybe um, 12 years ago, 15 years so ago. So it's interesting how it seems like the Spanish influence is kind of soft. What do you mean? Um, the, I feel like there's a gentleness to a lot of their scripts and the way they relate to people that's very, like, kind of goofy and friendly. Yeah. It's, it's, con- 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 contrasting to, like, uh, what seems like the uh, Asian and Korean like technical revolution? Of just, right, like, they're very different styles, yeah. both of which I love for very different reasons. The the Asian magicians, a lot of them don't talk at all. Right, a lot of them are doing act, like a manipulation acts on stage. Yeah, so compare that to like love. Danny Dirtes, which is just like right, re- kind of relentless, like n- ribbing <laughs> or right. like just like goofball, yeah, like stuff. Uh, does Does America have a style right now? Um. Yeah, but I, I'm not a huge fan of it. <laughs> um, I saw something this uh, uh, this past week. I saw, I, I've been thinking about illusions this past week, which I think is that very, certainly very American style, yes. like big big box illusions. And um, it was just kind of embarrassing to watch uh, uh-huh. because, like, it was it was a magician doing a levitation, and it was a levitation. You cover uh, this the, this person with like you know with a big uh, sheet. Mm-hmm. They float up in the air, and then you know after however they just long keep you floating, that, and they right. never, never come back. Yeah, the and they roof hit the opens. ceiling. Right. Um, it's really sad. <laughs> if you did that in a football stadium with a roof that could open. Right. That would be pretty great. That would be pretty cool. That'll be that'll be the next TV special. Uh, so they floated up. Yeah, and then he you know reaches up and he pulls the sheet down and the person's gone. Right. Uh huh. And then he was pulled. there a shape of a body? Yes, there, there was. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just being held up by a hook and it just <laughs> lost all form. Yeah. And so they disappear, and then a uh, 
a another box comes out. It's like an empty cage. It's covered with a sheet, and then uh-huh. it's pulled off, and then that same assistant appears inside of the box. Very classic, yeah. you know, fine illusion. I just it was. I realized how there's a Ted Danson quote that uh-huh. just is like acting is embarrassing. Uh-huh. Just about how like he's like at the end of the day you're just pretending to say silly words in right. a room full of people watching you. Right. Uh, and I thought that very much watching this illusion because I know how it works, and the magician doing it was being very dramatic, but had absolutely no responsibilities in this entire thing. Oh, So right. it was all just, like, dramatically so just, like, presenting. waving up with their two hands. Right. Yes. And I was like, this would... I would be embarrassed to do that. I, I'd be too so embarrassed to... a stranger could walk off the street, you could show them the movements, and they could do that. Yes. 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 Um, but they give the... He has to give the illusion that he's doing. Right. So it was a lot of, like, raised eyebrow and, you know, like, yes. just very dramatic, like, pointing to the ceiling as it right. lifts up. I would like it you if know, the box a came out... A lot of mugging. Out, if the box came out and it was just a bunch of sheets and he just put the sheet in the box and then just wheeled the box off. <laughs> just right. like, this is just the storage for the sheet. And then the, still, go home. And Why then are you the, still here? the lady just comes out. She's like, here I am. And smoking a cigar. Yeah. Um, cigar is an important part of that. Tell me about, is, it, there's a, is there a theory that's kind of like when things are too perfect? Yeah. What's, that's called the, it, the too perfect theory. Is that it really? Uh, something like that. Like the, like, it, like the, the illusion is too baffling not it's baffling yes. to the point where like it's like well it has to be a trick yes the idea is that if an, a trick is so impossible yeah so perfect it, it suggests its own method because you go oh there's only one way that they could actually do that right the reason i ask is that's what i was thinking about with this new joshua J. balance thing which i saw another video of recently sure i i seen i saw it live for the first time oh. a few weeks ago oh. um was he doing it no it was oh, someone, somebody so, else. Uh, someone else has bought it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, it, they sell it. Yeah, it's on Vanishing It's like $400 or something. Yeah. Um, well, I saw him do it on the uh, Champions of Magic. Is that a thing? Uh, uh, Masters of Illusion. Um, Champions of Magic is a touring show with Kayla Drescher, who will be right. at Magic Bar on February 19th. Oh, that's right. Um, so I th- on, on Masters of Illusion, I saw him do it. Yes. And he has like a poem about and, meeting a man in prison. I, it struck me that like the two perfect things struck me because I was just like, well, these have to be rigged, like, right? I believe that yes. Yeah, so I think um, I don't have balance. I yeah. So this is not like a no, no. We're not works. Re- like we don't know. How I, it works. I don't know exactly how it works. I believe that the methods are varied throughout the trick. Yes, yeah. However, I think I when I when I was with um, I'll just give my spectators experience when they watched that trick be performed at the Magic Castle. I was like six guests. Afterwards, I asked what they thought of the show. They went so that that thing. Uh, it's just magnets, right? And I, went, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it just, it just, right. It, I think it just begs that, it, it forces that response. Whether or not it's magnets, you're like, right. Those objects aren't normal. Exactly. And if you think, even if you just think, oh, it must be magnets, then you're just robbed of magic, regardless of whether you're right or wrong. Right. I think it, there's a Divernon quote that says, if, uh, if, if someone thinks they saw you do a move, you might as well have done one. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if someone thinks they saw you palm something, like, they're not going to be impressed or feel any sense of magic, so you yeah. might as well have actually just done that. Yeah. Uh, I think this hit them the same way. None of them were that dazzled by it, because they just all came out going, oh, it must be Magnus. Yeah. Whether that is correct or incorrect, right. that is the feeling that they were left with. Yeah. It's just something else. I, I was... Compared to... There was a guy on Penn and Teller, I forget what his name is, who did, like... He balanced, like, blocks or something. Oh, Danny uh, Cole. Uh, and that act didn't strike me that No, Dan, that is a great 
Uh, and I don't. If you actually, if anyone looks up Danny Cole on YouTube, one of the like alphabet blocks or something, yeah. there's a video of him doing that in the hallway of his apartment. Yeah, um, and it's incredible. That and I really like. It's it's wonderful. They're and it's similar though, in uh, a way. They're yes, impossible balances. The, the, well, no, the, because at the end, Danny Cole's ends with a uh, levitation. He like pulls out one of the blocks right, in the middle, right. and then three are just suspended, and then he immediately knocks all of them over. I and they're not if, sticking together or anything. That's incredible. I don't know how that works. I wonder exactly. if part of it is that in the Danny Cole one. It's pretty normal for a little while. In the balance one from the video that I watched, right? It gets it like the second thing that happens is like, huh? <laughs> yeah, which is actually something I think about a lot, and that's something Shoot taught me a long, long time ago about mm-hmm. the idea of that uh, that build and that slowly kind of transitions into impossible. Yeah. The example he gave is if you had I have like two packs of cards right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. He said maybe you're gonna make one card levitate. So I have these, you know, I cut a deck in half, and I maybe put this card on top of the two of them so it's you know sort of balanced there very easily and then i kind of move this one out about half an inch so now it's just kind of on the corner of this one and then i move the other pile out as well and so now it's just being supported very very slightly and then i kind of gradually gradually kind of make it so that maybe it could be balancing there and you get rid of one of them and it's still kind of standing on top of the other right. and then eventually you very slowly move the other one away and then it's suspended like and half an still, inch look, off the it's ground. it's still floating. It's still floating. I'm not holding it with my fingers right now. <laughs> this is real magic. He said, whereas opposed to if I just pick this up and let and it just stood there for a second. Just, yeah, if you just went like, whoop. Yeah, you go, oh, there's a string. But yeah. if you if you start it in a very, very possible place... That yeah. and then you very very slowly and gradually get to a point where it is impossible, especially crossing a plane where you're like yeah. maybe that could still be balancing on something, but right. maybe not. Uh, then that that final moment is a lot more gratifying because it you really feel that you really feel that sense of levitation. Yeah, it must be hard because. Um, especially at the Magic Castle, where you've got some percentage, like 10% of the people in the audience are actual magicians. Mm-hmm. No, more than that, I would say. Um, uh, maybe so not. 120%. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, have you seen some of these dudes? <laughs> <laughs> I can say that I'm a fat person. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, was that a fat joke? Yeah, that was a fat joke. I thought it was the, the bad of magic joke. Uh, no, that was like some people are more than 100% of themselves. Oh, I see. Because <laughs> of those truffle fries. Got it. Um, the, it must be so. hard because you've got to that progression of someone's thought following along the impossibility of something reminds me of uh this theory of comedy which i once like wrote down oh that it. joke should be funny yeah i've uh, heard that one too yeah it's it, that's basically it <laughs> okay. uh, i wrote in a book once this theory that i thought of and then like and i swear to god i didn't crib this from him and then i like literally heard the same thing that seinfeld said oh. um which was that if there's like if you're hiking and there's like a little gap for you to jump over, mm-hmm. a joke you kind of want the gap to be just wide enough so that the audience member's mind can like jump over that gap and that it's fun for them to jump over the gap. Uh, what what is the gap in the terms between of the sort joke? of like the last twist or conclusion that you want to make or the last little comedic heightening? It needs to be like they have just enough tools for them to also make that leap with you mm-hmm. to your whatever your lack like what you consider the punchline or the funny part is. But if it's too far, if the gap's too far and it doesn't make sense to them, they won't make the jump with you. But if also there's no gap and they just have to step over it, they'll make the same conclusion as you, but it's not fun for them. Interesting. Um, so I would also imagine that there's, there's if, if they can get over that gap so easily and there's no surprise, which I feel is a very important element of a yeah. joke, is that if they can... Yeah, for sure. They're too quickly, even before you. If they're on the other side of the gap before you are saying it, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Which I think is what probably the biggest 
the biggest crossover between magic and comedy is you they both have to have an element of surprise in them yeah to to be effective um so with the magic audience like uh it must be difficult to because different people are probably at different points on the progression of like where they think you're going right so that's correct you kind of have to structure your trick to be like hit most people uh, knowing that there's always going to be a magician in the audience that's ahead of you, probably. Sure. Or thinks they're ahead of you. And the question is, are you performing for that 10% of magicians in the audience, or are you performing for the 90%? By the way, listening to different magi- magicians being interviewed, people have very different opinions about this. Yes, they do. I'm kind of surprised by the ones that are like, I perform for the magicians. Because I'm like, <laughs> are they the ones paying your bills? For this? Right. I don't... Very. There are comedians that perform for other comedians. Like Andy Kindler is very famous for being like performing for the back of the room oh, really? uh you know the concept that like other magi- uh, magicians other comedians are in the back of the room waiting to go on if you've ever been to a comedy club the back row is filled with magicians yeah <laughs> just doing double lifts right. and stuff like that uh so he's known for that but i mean i think in comedy there's also like comedians that mostly perform for the validation of other comedians right aren't that isn't a great way to like make a living that is true. <laughs> it seems I like that assume. would be true of magic as well. Well, you know, you have a lot of magicians that like book stuff. Yeah, that's true. And if a magician, you know... You have to be respected by those guys. Right. Yeah. And it's always a guy. It's always a guy. Uh, except for the, uh, well, the pres- president of the castle is a Larson. Uh, she's not president anymore. She Erica Larson was president. Uh-huh. She's on the board of directors, though. But she's uh-huh. been on the board of trustees. I think she turned out there. It's now on the board of... Uh, Director, but don't worry because the president of the castle is a white man. <laughs> yeah, um, that I mean that's Jim Steinmeier. I like him a lot. That, yeah, that yeah. wasn't a dig at Jim. He's great. No, it's just a dig at his race and gender. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I mean, do you, what's your split and how much you care about? I'm a little civilians bit versus... so. It's funny. Shoot Ogawa and Simon Coronel have a show together, two person show, which is great. And so I, I've held them out with that a little bit here and there, like I'm assisting them on. Time, like when they did it at FISM, I was kind of backstage helping them for their gala show there. And I heard them talking about it a lot, and they have very different opinions on it. Uh, I'm going to guess that Shoot performs for the audience, the regular people. Uh, no, actually, Shoot, really? shoot well, shoot's, shoot, is, shoot isn't like, oh, I need to impress all the magicians. Shoot is of the opinion that I need to impress the audience. If the if the audience has magicians in it, oh, I need to I impress see. the audience. You oh, know, interesting. So like when we were we we saw a palace show together at the castle, and he was talking to the person afterwards about you know how people perceived it, and he goes some ideas and and how it maybe looked at the, to the audience, and the idea he was questioning whether two tricks in the show belonged in the same show because some of the methods were kind of similar, uh-huh. and so he said if by the second one, which is more important and a a, a yeah more germane to the show. They've already kind of seen something similar to the first one that yeah. might kind of hurt it. And he was saying, ah, you know, I don't think, he said, I don't really agree. I think that spectator, you know, we think we understand what these non-magicians are thinking, We, but I think we just look at it from a magic lens. Right. I, I don't think they can really make that judgment, especially when these, you know, things are 30 minutes apart in the show. Right. And they kind of disagreed on that. So his takeaway was, yeah, you know, for these people that don't know magic, I don't think there's really much of an issue there. Mm-hmm. Where Shoot came up with the opinion of, well, I, you know, if I buy a ticket and I go to see your show, I am part of that audience. Right. And now as an audience member, I am noticing the problem between these two things. Right. And, you know, whether I'm a magician or not. Simon Cornell 
is of the opinion of if there are I've heard him say this exact sentence if there are a hundred people in the audience ninety nine of them are magicians and one is not I'm performing for that one person <laughs> uh, that's why Simon does not like really do lectures he doesn't market effects he just that is not an industry he's particularly interested in yeah whereas uh, that's also why shoots pre show routine is very long because he individually interviews every person in the audience to yes, find out there's what, a questionnaire what their background yeah is. his twenty two minute show actually takes an hour and a half. And then he customizes the show based on those right. particular, yeah. how much it's they know. incredibly tedious. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, since you're assisting, that's most of your, all the Yeah, I'm running scantrons in the back to come up with like data samples of the, of the size of the audience. Yeah. And then the computer does all the work. Mm -hmm. Computer does the magic. Right. I, I, so I would say personally, I am, I think, I think too much, I think I worry too much about the approval of my peers, which is why I uh -huh. try to not, I try to do mostly original stuff or at least specific to me kind of stuff at the castle. And I'm trying to put in new stuff that is, I think is interesting. Yeah. Like there's a lot of tricks I'll do for lay people at shows outside of the magic castle, like the cups and balls I did the other day. Yes. Uh, I think my cups and balls, <laughs> which, are, which destroys. Yeah. It, I, I think I do a fine cups and balls, yeah. but I just do the Vernon cups and balls routine. I have some jokes in there. Yeah. I do it very competently, but that's kind of it. I don't have any super unique take on it that would warrant, me wanting to do it at the castle right where i think there is a higher standard of what should be performed there and i think i my cups and balls does not particularly meet that right so i don't particularly but do that's it. your standard right that's not anybody at the castle being like don't do cups and balls correct that is my standard yeah. i wish it were more people's standard <laughs> right but what's tough i think is that if you did that cups and balls in the close-up it would do great just like Anybody, you know, like it did great on Thursday. Yeah, it would do. Like, it would do fine. I'll do it. I do it at Magic Bar. Yeah, but just at the Magic Castle, at you yeah. know this place where there are so many magicians, yeah. and I'm I'm very privileged to be able to have this spot. You know, once or twice a year, I I don't think it's right to waste that on. Yeah, just like hey, here's more. You know, here's something I bought and can do. The you know, uh, there's like Joshua J has an incredible uh, card to book. Uh, -huh. uh like any card has any card any number is amazing i do it a lot but i would never do it i i, I don't do it at the castle for the same reason yeah just because it's other than what is becoming a, a little more developed routine that i do with it right uh his uh it's any card any number where yeah. you balance a bunch of books on top yes. of each other it's weird. and all it of spells out the card <laughs> yeah all of his tricks are just like balancing stuff. right he loves to balance yeah yeah as a child he suffered um, from a broken inner ear and that took him years so for his entire childhood. He had trouble balancing, and now he all his tricks. Well, he got that. a letter uh, from a shipping container that contained a bunch of um, Russian gymnasts right. that were stowing away, trying to like defect from Russia. Mm -hmm. And they had written him a letter saying, "We're in the shipping container. All we can do is balance. Right. What's the magic trick we can do?" Yeah, that so he built his career around that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his uh, his father was actually killed in a terrible um, stilt walking accident. That's right. Uh, and so now he makes balancing perfectly perfectly a uh, a life goal of his. And the twist is that the stilts were blind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, uh, speaking of uh, like philosophies of performance, uh, I was I was on a uh, set earlier this week mm -hmm. where my phone was taken away. Okay. I was not allowed to have my phone. Is it a commercial? Yes. I know we're probably not allowed to talk about that's it. That's about it. I, that's yeah. all I can say. But basically, like, um, I didn't have well, my I phone. I hope you like Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> I brought a book to read. The book I brought was Maximum Entertainment by Ken Weber. Great book. I'm about a third of the way through it. and um, Do you like it? Well, this is what's fascinating. 
almost like almost everything is, that's in the book is stuff I've either said to you or like that I thought about magic. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, like people should have a director, <laughs> and, right? You know. Um, so I, I agree with a lot of. I mean, I don't. I pretty much don't disagree with anything. I've read so far. I, I one of my favorite jokes in my act. I came up with that from reading that book. Oh, and that was. I don't know if you've gotten to the part where he talks about like stop asking people if they want to change their mind. Uh-huh. Or, like, I haven't the, gotten there, but yeah. the, the the premise of the of the things is like stop asking people if they're sure. Everyone pick a card or think of a card. You know, so maybe Chris name a card. Uh, eight of clubs. Okay, are you sure? Yeah. Right, and he basically shits on that question, and he's right. basically like, "I'm sure that my name is Ken, that I'm gonna die one day, and that my favorite color is blue." Other than that, I'm not really sure of anything. Yeah. Stop asking. Like, why does it matter? It's a card trick. Just have me name the card and then do the trick. Yeah. And I thought that was such a good point because everyone's like, "Are you sure? Do you want to change your mind?" It, you know, at the end of the, it could be different. Yeah. And so then I, I have a joke in my show about like why it does not matter if you change your mind. Yeah. Uh, and that was inspired by that because <laughs> I'm like, at the end of the day, what does it matter? Or what if it was like, uh, John, can you name any card? Two of diamonds. Um, are you sure? Would you like to change your mind? Uh, no, I'm okay with two diamonds. You sure? You could, you could change to something else. Uh, no, I want to keep two diamonds. Why don't you go ahead and change something else? No, I, can I stick with two diamonds? God fucking damn it. <laughs> you know what? This show's over. <laughs> <laughs> I was... Never I feel like that. I've seen that happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, and if I may tie that into one of my least favorite stock jokes uh, as a recurring segment, John's least favorite stock lines, uh-huh. it would be, Chris, uh, think of a card. Say it out loud. Uh, four diamonds. All right. Are you, uh, uh, do you want to change your mind? Uh, no. You're happy with the mind you have. Bam. There, but then the he goes, no, actually, I'm scheduled for a lobotomy on Monday. <laughs> and then well i didn't know <laughs> everyone stopped booing i didn't know um, she'll be fine <laughs> god uh so this is why i think about the ken weber book i agree with pretty much everything i read but also he talks about how he sort of comes from a theater background um he studied theater like right. in college and then comes to ma- magic and mentalism from that's that. right cause i forgot i know his entire career spent in magic and mentalism but i'd forgotten that there was yeah. a theater background um and so what I thought was, oh, these insights that I thought I had that he has in this book, maybe they're just the insights anybody who comes from theater would have. That's when what they I'm saying. To, they're just, anybody would be like, uh, you need a director. You don't need to buy a book to sort of to tell you Right. That. Like Daniel Day-Lewis is getting directed for every movie he does. Like the best actors are getting <laughs> yeah. directors. But like every mid-level magician is like, no, I got it. Yeah. So it made me think, like, I was, like, gratified. I was like, oh, cool, this guy's, like, in line with what I'm thinking. But I'm also, I was also just like, maybe I, these are just very common sense things to think about. Like, right. it's like... Like I said with that Lance Burton thing last week. That whole, like, you yeah. gotta find a place where you can grind it out and not be so good. Well, And that was the staple of being a good comedian. <laughs> well, also, in the book, he's like, you should record your performances and watch them back. And I'm like, yep, that's... Seems pretty. Did like, I buy a book to tell me this? Well, what I mean, it's interesting. I'm assuming because he wrote it in the book, and that he has he has a full career in magic that he must encounter a lot of people that don't do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, by the way, one page that I flipped to in this book, The Magic Rainbow, uh, he talks about how he doesn't script at all. Okay, spoiler alert! But yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's dead the whole time. No, <laughs> um, no, but he uh, he doesn't script his stuff. He just like. Th- that's the equivalent of like there are stand-ups who don't write out their jokes right um uh people who work out the material on stage like mark Maron and bill burr are very famous for this sure um, they never like sit down and write their jokes however i saw probably, pete holmes do a set once he at probably, largo yeah where 
he even commented on like, oh, I just he he did he, he had a, a a joke that I had heard before that he kind of went longer on, uh-huh. and then it got a good laugh. He goes, oh, cool. I have an ending for that joke now. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I that's great. Good good job, Largo. We worked. We got that together. Yeah. Uh, I would say that something similar between Bill Burr, Mark uh, Marin, and Pete Holmes, and probably Juan Tamariz, and people like him, is that they have the luxury of having lots and lots of stage time. Sure. Uh, and we'll What's get, something you do not get in Magic? They will get booked no matter what they do, so they have lots of access to, right. instead of writing at home, they just stand up and like tell, tell people. And they're getting instant feedback on it. And I think before we've talked also, <laughs> like there's no... Uh, there's a certain technical level you have to get above for magic mm-hmm. trick. However, I wonder how often people just develop their scripts the way, like in that book, he's basically like, just do it, try a bunch of different lines, do the ones you like, you know. Yeah, I mean, my style of performance is kind of like that. Yeah. And I, I don't script as much as I probably should. And yeah. a lot of it is just kind of winging it, which has been great sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, some of my best things and best jokes have come from that. I've also had some unpleasant experiences doing it i think <laughs> but i mean people who script all this stuff i'm sure have had unpleasant experiences as well yes what i will say is that having like a somewhat regular place to perform in the junior program doing those monthly brunches you're doing uh-huh. like six shows a day so you're doing like you know a couple times a month you're doing like three just you know four or five straight hours of like 20 minute shows yeah and i was a really lazy teenager and i'm a lazy uh not teenager now is <laughs> i would not really script stuff i would just like start doing the tricks right and while I don't necessarily recommend that, it also was a major part of crafting like my style of performance right. and sort of the, the very authentic improv style that I perform with now, which I think that is something as someone has said to me is that my performance style is kind of authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I am really just kind of there with the audience. I'm not like doing a character. I'm not like yeah. using bullshit. I'm not, I don't mean to be sitting here talking about how good I am. Uh, that, <laughs> I, I mean, hope that's not what it sounds like. A lot of people have come up to me and said, I'm maybe people, the best magician they've ever people seen. People tell me all the time. They say, John, you're incredible. Well, then the other thing I was thinking about was... And then I walk away from the mirror. Am I right? <laughs> oh. The mirror of Arized. <laughs> the one from Harry Potter? Yeah. Okay. Um, like, you go down to the mirror of Arized, and, and your deepest desire is just to have people compliment you. <laughs> Other people are like, I wish my parents would come back. <laughs> um. I wonder, though, with Juan Tamariz and also with like Bill Burr, Mark Rain and them, um, I sometimes wonder if like people sort of wind up uh, recommending styles that just come naturally to them. Sure. You know? I would say my style comes naturally to me, as I can tell Juan Tamariz does to, his, yeah. to him. He's and such I a magnetic, Ortiz, interesting guy. I bet sure. that comes pretty naturally Right. It's him. not like he just turns that off and is like a boring guy. Yeah. Who was like, well, like, I was at the theater the other day. Elbowing you and lifting up his shirt. Right, which is like it's like one of his misdirections is like I lifted my shirt, yeah, you lifted my, shirt. my stomach, yeah, and then he pats his belly and tells how fat he is, yeah. Um, so because I was thinking about like people who are like, well, you know, card magic magic is like true magic and have preferences. I wonder how often your preferences are just like the thing that you're good at, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Rarely, I think, are people like, well, true magic is like stage illusion. I'm terrible at it, but. Yeah, I'm not a good magician, but like the real magic is being done, you know, with birds. <laughs> um, also, I was thinking it would be great if someone wrote like a treatise that was just like, you guys are missing it. Bird magic is the only true magic. Right. And just like a long philosophical thing about like how cards are bullshit and like coins are bullshit. You got to be working with birds. 
Yeah, I that should exist. I feel like you would not like that book, but I think it would be fun. I'd be into it. <laughs> I just, you know, yeah, I'd be into it. I mean, sometimes I do think cards are bullshit. Every every now and again, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I'm manipulating physical symbols that we've all agreed upon. The cards do have a have such a long history of like the visual of them is imprinted that I've noticed uh, playing around with that friend's oil and water. And also I got my cards to try that other trick um, where like uh, it's, you pick a card and I figure it out. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how great that trick is. Uh, while working on this, sometimes I think, am I making this trick worse by <laughs> making them not look like normal cards anymore? Because there's so much uh, regular deck of playing cards is so like nothing to people's eyes. You know, like it doesn't look weird at all. Right. Um, and there's so much magic built upon that idea of the familiarity of cards. Yeah, that I I I wonder if people trying to create original magic, uh, in almost everything I've been thinking about lately, there's been a point where I'm like, I think I have taken this pretty solid trick and made it less effective <laughs> by, by doing what? By, by either like fucking with how with the story around it. The I guess it was at the plot around it, mm-hmm. um, or. Literally changing the props. Or the setup. The setup. Hey. Or changing the props of it to make it, like, am I drawing attention to the wrong spots? You know, I think that's in it. Uh, the one I did for you where, like, you have uh, face-up cards and you pick one. I did for you and you're like, oh, I think this happened. Then I got the actual cards that I made for it, mm-hmm. which involves Marvel superheroes. Yeah. Uh, did it for Eric. And he was like, so was it this? And I was like, well. Oh, <laughs> was he right? That was Yeah. I was just like, oh. But when I first saw this trick done, it totally baffled me. And that was with regular playing cards. Interesting. So I, it might, in this case, it might be that they're very, Eric's aware that I made those cards. Like I sent out for them to be created. Right. And they're not, they don't look normal in any way. Like because That's, they each have a picture of a superhero on right. them. So that might be enough for you to just be like, well, if that part was created, then. That's interesting. So know. the lesson here is stop trying to make original magic. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I'd say the lesson is probably for me that if I'm trying to think of, this is a whole field that I don't have a history of, like, I don't have an intuitive sense of what is working or not because it's new to me. So there's a good chance that I'm going to try to be creative and, like, fuck shit up. Right. I guess you have to learn that way. Yeah. Uh, I, but I think about, like, with card magic, you're, I, I think I'm often faced with the question of how impossible is what's happening really, yeah. right? If a bird, a be- birds don't appear out of nowhere, right? We've right. we've talked extensively about one of my favorite magic acts in the world right now, Reed Chang. Yeah. Uh, which, if you don't know, Reed Chang got second place at FISM last year in the general magic category. Uh, his act is unbelievable. Unfortunately, there's not really a video of it, and believe me, I've looked. Yeah. But uh, he's absolutely incredible. Getting to see it was. Truly unbelievable. And he has so much stuff that just, he's just holding it and it just disappears. There's no other way to describe it. There's no, (laughs) he's not covering it. He doesn't cross it. He doesn't put a sheet over it. He's holding a book. Book is gone. He has four stopwatches in his hands and he just, they're gone. It's unbelievable. And it's, it looked like real magic. And so I think like finding a card in a shuffle deck, I think how impossible is that really? Right. You know? Like, (laughs) oh, oh, you know, you, uh, you, I, you pick a card and you shuffle it, and then we spell out your name with cards, and then your card appears there. Yeah, it's like that's good, but is it really impossible? Like, does that really meet the standard that we're trying to hit with magic? I don't yeah. know. If if you could pick a card, put it back in the deck, and then when you pulled the card out, it was a photo of that person's face, right? And but, it said when they would die. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the, the time was like two minutes from now. And <laughs> right. You stabbed them. Yeah, uh, with a, with the card that they picked. <laughs> oh, hey, full circle though. Yeah, you know, use all the props. Yeah, every every piece of the buffalo. Uh, one of the, the so like one of the ones I want to do is basically it's kind of pulled from the jerks, uh, which I think I've told you about. Mm-hmm. It's basically like, um, a story deck thing. You know the things where it's like, you know. The s- seven guys came in, and right. they were, you know, which I ha- I don't like those tricks. I'll either call it Sam the Bellhop routines. Oh, so I do not. I've seen a f- number of these, and I do not like them. Right. Because to me, I'm, especially once the deck is set, it's kind of just like, what's happening? You're just, well, there's I think, a lot of like cutting and stuff. I think there's potentially an example of the too perfect principle uh-huh. being that if you, you know, the fact that I have the story memorized and, I'm, and the cards all match it, I yeah. think perhaps to, would suggest that. Oh, the cards must be in some kind of order. Yeah, even if it looks like you're shuffling them. Right. They go, it's sure, but uh, it must be in order. Uh, about seven months ago, this happened to me. I was with somebody who never seen me do magic before, uh-huh. and I showed them a trick, uh, a very good trick from my shows. The um, the uh, the two decks of cards, the sandwich trick with the two mm-hmm. decks of cards, yeah. really strong effect, yeah. I think. And so afterwards, I you know, and I think you have to do this. This is something you, people should not be doing more. As I said, how do you think that? How do you think that was done? Mm-hmm. Really. Go through every step of it. What did anything not fool you? Is there anything that, and then maybe the again the idea being that perhaps she told me that, oh, I think it worked like this. I'm pretty sure it was this, and if she was dead wrong. That's still a fault of mine because I need to do more work to have her not think either of those thoughts. I think it's a Juan Tomres thing that if someone like a real master magician makes it so that you can't think of any methods and you're just blown away by the magic. Huh. If you think, oh well. It might have been going up a sleeve. Even if that's wrong, I still failed. Right. My job, and that's why. And that's when you pull up. Even if you don't use your sleeves in this trick, that's when you pull up your sleeves. Mm-hmm. And that's a very Juan Tomares thing. And that's I think a very Spanish thing that he helped create. Is like this. You talk about everything. You know, you shuffle the cards are face up. There's nothing under my sleeves are rolled up. There's nothing on the table. There's nothing under yeah, the yeah. mat. There's nothing. You know, the idea is you get rid of. I think he call he calls it um, false explanations. Right. The idea is you get rid of every explanation around them that they could feasibly have. Right. And, and you kind of name them can, and like right. check them off. Exactly. You, it's not my sleeves. It's not this. It's not this. I didn't, we didn't plan this. You shuffled. It was a free choice. All, you know, everything. My yeah. hands are empty. And then you find the card. Whatever the trick is going to be, the idea is that you basically get rid of every possible thing they could be thinking is the method to create the idea that there is then no, that there's just like right. it's magic. So I asked this person how they thought this trick worked. Basically practicing that. If they thought, oh, it was this, then I next time I, next time I do that trick, I need to do something so that they don't think that. Right. And she basically kind of got it. She goes, okay, well, uh, I was holding these cards, which means you couldn't have done anything. Like she kind of right, like right. She reasoned her way it. into it. And I was right. like, oh boy. Um. And that was painful. Well, and then I, you know. Well, to, you got to do it. I don't know if this eases your mind, but after the performance on Thursday, uh, two people were like, their thoughts on that trick specifically were like, I just, I didn't see when he planted those cards on her here's the thing though that yeah. is still still not good yeah <laughs> yeah because if they just if everyone in that room walked away going oh he just like palmed those cards and added them to the second deck of cards yeah uh that is still not good because you're still if you, if you walk away being like i'm pretty sure it was this then yeah. that's still kind of not that is not the that is not the height i'm trying to hit and maybe that's impossible to hit maybe it just there's no there's no trick that just will Make everyone go, oh wow, that felt like real magic. Yeah. Uh, besides Reed Chang. But uh, that should be the, st- I mean, that should be what I'm well, reaching for, right? Yeah, uh, maybe. Although I think it might be difficult in your particular script for those tricks because you're talking about, 
you know, um, you you sort of bring up the idea that they are suspect of you. Yes, which I'm not sure. I I like the point that makes, but I don't know that it's super helpful. It might put them in the mind of like, oh, I'm, right. That's if that's not what I should be sus- suspicious of. You know, it might put them in detective mode. Right. So a bit. for those listening that don't know this, the tr- the it's a san- it's a Pit Hartling sandwich trick from a book of his called In Order to Amaze. It's a great, great, great. It's effect. actually by someone different. Is it? Like in that book is like, um, oh, no, no. Sorry. It's the other one. The other one you do. Yeah. The yeah. Mindful so one. The mindful yeah but that's out. also like it's in someone else's book, but it's not that guy's trick. Yes. He's like, a guy wrote to me with this trick. I think it's funny when it's like, here's a book of magic I wrote. And also one of the best tricks in it is by somebody else. Right. Uh, but uh, that's not what you're talking about. This is a pit So this pit harling trick is a great effect. It's a sandwich trick where basically they pick a card. Now, is the front part of that trick the sandwich part? Is that a very common plot? Yeah. Sandwich tricks are. In, obsessively common. Okay. They're unbelievably common. There's, and they're, but they're not normally done the way that one is done. With the ending? Yeah, uh, no, no. The oh, front half. Yes. No. That that is that is an alternate method he suggests, which uh-huh. I utilize because I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a cleaner method. Yeah. That's the real reason. So it's a, it's basically a classic sandwich trick. The spectator picks a card. They name a card. They how do they obtain a card? It's caught between the, and they then also pick the two cards that'll catch it in the sandwich. And mm-hmm. Those cards are. Those cards are face up. They cast a face down card in the sandwich, and then the spectator has a second deck of cards in their pocket uh, from the begin- from the start of the trick, from the beginning of the effect. And then, without you touching the cards, they open up that pack. They deal through the cards one at a time, and that exact three card sandwich that they basically created is in the other deck that they're they have in their uh, pocket. Like that mm-hmm. same card is caught by the same two sandwich cards they picked. It's really incredible. The method is very very clever, and I do it a lot. And I've been for over a year now heavily playing with the script. I think you've seen it in many of its iterations. Yeah. It used to be, I used to like really... One time was Elizabethan, like Shakespeare was, style. It's, right. Hello. I didn't, I didn't feel like it fit the Actually, time. That was the, that was the time it was Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> right. Um, this whole thing about wanting to see my kids. Yeah. I haven't been touching that deck at all, have I, dear? <laughs> what is it? Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, never seen the movie. Really? No. Oh, wow. Don't think I will. I, it, yeah. It's one of those things where I would like I would probably tell them that it's really good and then you would hate it. That I haven't seen. I haven't seen the Birdcage. Um, the two those are the last two movies I haven't seen. I've seen all the other ones. All the other movies. Yep, including Cold War. All of the movies. <laughs> yeah, I've seen all the movies. Did you, um, see, did you see Cold War? No, I haven't. Oh, it's pretty good. Um, let me ask you this: Does anyone have a phase where the cards literally show up in your sandwich? No, but that's coming. What I I really want like so you do that and then maybe the like if I ever did this trick. If I ever stole your exact trick, yeah. Please. The second phase would it's not be, my trick. It's Pit Harling book. The second phase would not be, ma'am. You've been you've had this deck the whole time. It would be like, ma'am, right behind you. I put my lunchbox. Right. Can you take out? I have a hoagie in there, <laughs> <laughs> and then inside the hoagie is a deck of cards. And then you just proceed to eat the sandwich for the rest of the show. Yeah. Like, is that gonna be magic? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Someone should do a sandwich trick with a real sandwich because you actually could like wrap something up in like a subway. Mm-hmm. I just think that'd be a fun reveal. Right. Have a sandwich. That'd be great at like a convention where people understand the idea of a sandwich trick. Yeah. And also, you maybe could build it into your contract that like the venue has to give you a sandwich and then you don't have to eat. Right. Hey. Yeah. Um, a person that I knew in comedy once did a... Uh, Louis C.K. Yeah. Second City Tour, I believe. And they had a per diem for um, meals mm-hmm. when they would go on tour. And but he wanted to like save money on that, so he wrote a sketch where he ate a Burger King Whopper, <laughs> uh, and gave a monologue while he was doing it. But because it was part of the show, 
they had to like buy a new Whopper for every show, and it was came out of the production budget, not his per diem. That's funny. So he saved money on food. That's pretty clever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know how we got on the subject. I don't know. How we either. were talking about uh, like suspicion of methods. And oh right, but so the uh, that sandwich trick. The reason I. Th- the current script of that involves that I do the trick once with a deck of cards. They basically they pick out the two sandwich cards. They freely name whatever they want the card to be. And it's a pretty clean sandwich effect, and I really like it. And then what I talk about is that being a card magician, it's common that people become instantly suspicious of the usage of sleight of hand, mm-hmm. which is why card magicians are constantly asked or joked to about whether or not they can cheat in Vegas because that's a very intuitive idea that yeah. card magicians can cheat with cards. So by virtue of me maybe messing around with the cards too much, even if you're wrong and you think that, oh, I'm using sleight of hand to make this happen, even if that's incorrect, you're then robbed of that feeling of magic, which is, of course, the whole purpose of, of what I'm doing. Yeah. I said, so then, well, let's try this again in a way that would make it impossible for anybody to think that, impossible for me to do any sleight of hand. And then that's when I introduced the idea of a second deck of cards. It's been in someone's pocket, and there's kind of a surprise there. And uh, then they go through the cards face up one at a time, and then that three-card sandwich appears in the middle of that deck. Yeah. So that's that's the the current script I'm working off of, which I like because it – I think it's a true thought that I have a lot and I think about – Yeah. And it's also, I think, I, I love revealing little things about life as a magician that are real and that is something that I do think about, about, you know, yeah. if, you, if you're suspicious of me using cards, this feeling of magic will be ruined for you, kind of by you, and that's, I don't want you, to, I, I kind of don't <laughs> want you to be your own enemy here. Like, right, I want right. you to try to, like, you know, meet the hand where it's outstretched and, uh, yes. And really feel that magic. On the other hand, it does also, if, if someone was not thinking that, and now they're going, oh, <laughs> right. is that how that first one works? <laughs> right, right, right. So there's kind of a double-edged sword. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's still in development, I would say. Yeah, I've seen people's brains get fried by that, though. Right. Like, um, the, and, uh, is it that one? Oh, no, the other, the blindfold trick is interesting because I, I know the method but what's funny is that like the method kind of fades away from me. So most of the time when I see it, I can't remember exactly. Like if I sit down and like piece it back to, I'll be like, okay, it's this and this and this, but I kind of tend to forget what the method is. And like, if you asked me right after you did it on Thursday, how that's done, I'd be like, I think it's this, but it, I, it's never like right at the tip of my brain. Well, let's go through it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just interesting. Welcome I, to my lecture. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> this episode do, of the setup brought to you by Penguin Live. Do people do lectures where it's just like Penguin all Live, other live penguins? Yeah, <laughs> where it's all just other people's tricks. <laughs> that would be so funny. Like, uh, oh, and then I saw this cool thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is how it works. I'll be selling it for twenty dollars. Okay, so this is the pitch for my, I guess that we'll call Sam the Bellhop. Thing, okay, which is is pulled from this the Jerks book, and this is like my trying to think of a variation of it, which is that um, you end up basically like screwing up the deck uh, you appear to be like screwing up the trick so, but you're going to tell this story so then you're this is where i think i can act this part very well which is like um you're like oh i'm just gonna you know this is the story's great it's um uh, on third street there were seven guys uh with four girls and they you know basically like fumble my way through mm-hmm. an entire s- story deck and then have it clearly like just get worse and worse to where the story doesn't make any sense. Right. And I'm having to cover, I'm giving like insane street addresses and all that stuff. Um, ending with like a card that was chosen that I am I fail to like find. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
when we were talking about doing our two-person show, I was going to have you say like, well, you know, you might not be a great magician, but like you're doing pretty well as an actor. Folks, oh, do you right. want to see uh, Chris's acting reel? And the last clip of it would be a very professionally shot episode of Law & Order SVU that gets all as many celebrity friends as I can in it that act out the story that I put on the cards. Right. So like they actually show up at like 37 Joker Street and... Um, like they you know, oh, that's, catch that's more developed than the last time you told me about that yeah. last time it was just like someone picks a car oh so and they, on the acting reel they just say what the card right, is. right so in the svu thing they they go through the whole story that i just improvised theoretically and at the end there's a corpse and uh my most famous friend plays the uh ex- medical examiner right. reaches into the corpse and pulls out the card <laughs> that's like that's my current pitch it requires a lot of work on the back end, on the front it end. Does, me, it does. It does. I, you know, there's actually a magic duo called the New Bad Boys of Magic uh-huh. that have a uh, have a story trick in their show, which is oh. actually quite good. Uh, and the idea is that one of them gets really invested in this like love story with the cards. Uh-huh. Like a, you know, someone named Jack, and he was in love with you know a queen, right? And, and it's and it's. It works out very well, and the other guy is like, "This is dumb. You're just making it up as you go along." So then they. Uh, he takes the deck, and he's like, "You just, you just make up any dumb story." He's like, "No, I spent a lot of time working on this." So then the other guy takes it and he goes, "Fine, I'll try." He goes, "There was," and like it just doesn't. He's like, "There's a, th- a three who kinged <laughs> a uh, six, yeah. uh-huh. and he, and then so then the first magician takes it back, and then the story starts going along again. It's really good, and they basically keep switching back and forth, and he like, can't do it. And, <laughs> and he's like, "He had, a, he had six six and like he's, he's looking for a he's six he's like six he had six he had six, and he can't get like to the six and then like when he gives up on it the next card is the six or something That's like that funny. That's pretty funny um so you guys just creativity everywhere yeah i mean is my trick going to be worse than the one published in the jerks probably it's probably going to be a lot of work to film so what is the one in the jerks this the, the one in the jerks is uh penthouse forum dear penthouse forum oh, okay. so you do it and you tell the whole crazy story and then you have pre-printed a magazine I believe in that one he like had a penthouse magazine like print or like a page of mm-hmm. and in the page is somebody wrote Dear Penthouse Forum, the craziest thing happened to me. Oh, and it's that. I was on, you know, forty seven Ace Street and right. yeah. um and that that trick is also where I learned about the Gilbreth principle. Oh, okay. Because you pull five cards out at the top. Um you use Gilbreth principle to force a hand, a poker hand, mm-hmm. and then you do a deck switch to get to the stack deck that you so, so like someone shuffles uh yeah and then the, on the back of the penthouse forum there's an ad that has the poker hand it's like learn how to play poker and it's right. that hand uh what i like about that one is that i could do the story part of it without having to do any false cuts mm-hmm. since i don't know any um because since it's supposed to be just like me fucking up with the deck i never have to be like d- demonstrate that i'm like you know creating right. a new order of cards right um so more just theoretical tricks in my mind. Um, oh, damn it. I was going to ask you about something else magic related. Something I'm not allowed to talk about right now? No. Okay. Um, the Yeah, we, I guess we, we both, we, we we both, both have yeah. projects that we're working on that we're not allowed to discuss. I mean, yeah. I mean, I literally have no... This is weird, but I... Partic- Fine, I'll tell you. I'm working at the Mueller investigation. <laughs> yeah. You're doing magic consulting for... Yeah, Robert, Robert yeah, yeah. Uh, During his lunch breaks. He wants to make the subpoenas, like, appear. And then he bounces ideas off me. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. <laughs> he bounces, like, papers and yeah. stuff. Um, it's kind of degrading, but, you know, money's good. 
Uh, oh, I will say that uh, people should go see Ragtime at the Pasadena Playhouse. Oh, that's right. Ben Schrader. Ben Schrader's in it. Uh, creator of Magic Bar uh, LA, or Magic Barla, as as I call it. Uh-huh. Uh, and as the website is pronounced. Uh, he's in. He plays Houdini. And he plays Houdini. Ragtime, I believe he gets in a straight jacket. He does. Uh, I saw the second preview. Uh, and you're going to be going at some point. At some point. I yeah. don't know exactly when. Uh, it runs, I think, to like mid-March, so people should definitely yeah. go see it. Um, the... Do you think the rain is getting picked up by these microphones right now, by the way? I don't know. But can you hear rain right now, so audience? Much, there's so much rain in if Los If you have Angeles. my number, text me right now and go, I can hear <laughs> the rain. Or if you're next to John, just tap him on the shoulder. Yeah. If you're Although I guess if you're listening to a podcast while you're next to John. Yeah, it's kind of rude. Well, no, it's because <laughs> anytime I'm sitting with friends, like uh, I'll be like, listen to my podcast right now. And just for an uninterrupted hour, I'll just <laughs> sit and watch them as they listen to it. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, what part are you at? What part are you at? Oh, that part's so funny. <laughs> I always feel uncomfortable when people like uh you know like they they write a song or something like when people make you listen to right. something oh i have i mean uh, sort of like if i make you watch a magic trick that i just learned right I guess yeah that's that is how that felt it was not pleasant <laughs> <laughs> i do have uh you talk about something right now i'm gonna look for something oh, okay um so, uh, oh, I, other things for people to, I, I don't mean to recommend other podcasts, but I did listen to a Dennis Bear uh, interview where he talked about how in every like German city, there's like a close-up magic theater. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. I was, uh, Raphael Benatar once told me that in Spain, he goes, every single weekend you can see different magic. Wow. He goes, there's just so much out there. I mean, even Los Angeles, you know, second biggest city in the country has... Three options. Like Magic Castle every night you can go to. Yeah, but that's exclusive. That's hard. You can't just go there. And you then can I go guess to Magic Bar Mondays and Tuesdays. Mondays and Tuesdays, which is a great, great and, alternative. Which is arguably Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's out there. Hey, if Garcetti is the mayor, it's Los Angeles. Yeah. Black Rabbit. I live further north. Is that a still thing? Black Rabbit Rose. Uh, yeah. They have magic there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a little magic bar. What is the other one? Uh, the Variety Show. Uh, Booby Trap? Yeah. Oh, oh no, no, no. Uh, uh, the... Uh, at the UCB, that right comedy, comedy magic, yeah. yeah well, Booby Trap is one too, right? Booby Trap has a lot of ma- magicians to do it. Um, but like in Houston, when I was there for Christmas, there was literally nowhere for me to go to watch magic. Right, Houston's the fourth biggest city in the United States. Mm-hmm. They don't have a magic store, so like compare that to oh, like I'm moving to Houston, small cities in Spain and Germany, right. That have like close up magic theaters. Well, it's a whatever. huge cultural thing, absolutely. Yeah. Which is why. I mean, you just have so many more places for Spanish people to, like, perform. Yeah. You're going to get stronger magic. Chicago, you have Chicago Magic Lounge. Yeah. Um, what is there in New York? There's Monday Night Magic? There's Monday Night Magic. There's a lot of small things. Like, Noah Levine does a weekly show. Okay. Uh, every, um, oh, there's this new thing that Todd Robbins put together called, spe- the like, Magic at the McKittrick Hotel. Like, speakeasy oh, magic. Oh, that's where Sleep No More is. Yes, that is correct. Oh, that's I would love same, to see that. Uh, so, like, every, it's, like, basically... You sit at this these little like green tables and you have these drinks at like ten thirty at night or something, oh. and people walk around and do ten minute sets at your table. Oh, like Jan Frisch just did it, um, and like like a stage thing. It's it sounds amazing. It's expensive. It's like a hundred bucks. Ooh, interesting. It's but it's and like, you don't get to sleep, sleep sleep no more. No, yeah, you, fascinating. I mean, because like if you're what I mean is like sleep no more itself is like ninety five dollars. Right. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about this since uh, I guarantee this will not turn into anything. It's a um. I auditioned for a Broadway play this week. Play. Uh, uh, it's called Ink. It's kind of a transfer from the West End. Cool. It's a play about R- Rupert Murdoch. Did you have to do a British accent? I had to do a British accent. Oh, was that accent. the video you posted on yes, Facebook? It was. Like, Blimey, governor. No, it wasn't that. The that one was... of, I'm playing two characters. One of them does sound like that. Right. 
but that wasn't the one. Uh, I posted. Oh, I'm Michael Klein. No, it was uh, that was a great accent. That was a great impression. Uh, of what was it? It was like it looks expensive. I can't believe it. I can't, I can't believe it's free. I would have bet anything you're about to say. I can't believe it's not butter. Their response. I thought this was our response to their response. You think they're going to respond to this? That was my high class. Mm-hmm. And the other one was like, uh, uh, respectfully, gov- uh, not governor, <laughs> respectfully. Uh, ah, you almost said governor. Respectfully. Uh, uh, print is devils for subs. Editors go to the highfalutin press club and crime writers. Well, I've no idea where you go, Brian, but uh, traditions need respecting. That was were, my, uh, were any of those words? Yeah. That was that's all from the script. Print, I got the last half. Printers the devil. first half, he sounded like Brad Pitt and Snatch. Uh, or you pay respectfully, Mister Lamb. Printer devils for subs. Editors go to the highfalutin press club, and crime writers. as well. I've no idea where you go, Brian. That's the only part that I have confidence in. That one sentence. Right. I've no idea. Do you have a sentence to get into that accent? Huh? Do you have a sentence you used to like get into the accent? No. Okay. The the, the sentence that I ended all of my self tapes with was. Please hire me. <laughs> uh, but there hey, was some, there that's was some... interesting. If you just maybe th- if they hear that, they'll go, "Oh, we should hire him." Oh, he really needs it. Yeah. Um, well, what's funny? The reason I'm talking about it is that I got a callback. Hey. And then I did a Skype callback with the director, uh, which first of all I was like, and he said, "Can I show you this trick first? <laughs> uh, it's very strange to do a Skype callback for a Broadway play." Where the casting director is in New York, who I'm reading with. Mm-hmm. I'm in Los Angeles, and the director is in London. Um, Skype is okay for like right. phone calls with your aunt, but like for or callbacks with your aunt. <laughs> yeah, but like a an audition where you are my the person I'm reading with is three hours ahead of me, and there's like lag in terms of the the like you know right. I could hear my own voice being echoed back through the Skype. It was just like the timing was like weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director is super sweet, um, and I, it's a big project. I was just kind of like, "Are y'all really thinking about hiring me based on like the Skype thing?" And I also was a little bit like, "You know, I'm happy I got the callback, but like in the audition, I was like, it was fine. Like that's I'm sure I will not hear from that. Got it? Because <laughs> I can't just uh, I like I feel like with that limitation of being on a Skype call." That you have to like, you have to be Daniel Day Lewis and like nail the shit out of it, right? For them to be like, and I don't you know see what? Daniel Day Lewis doing a Skype call. Back. Yeah, I w- Daniel Day Lewis's Skype username is probably like, you know, DDL nineteen sixty three or whatever. Right. Him, like, actually, Skype is how you book. There will be blood. Yeah, Phantom Thread is actually shot on Skype. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apropos of nothing, I recently watched the show on Netflix called High Flying Bird, Steven Soderbergh's new film about the NBA. Oh. Found out afterwards, all shot on an iPhone. Really? Yeah. It's like a documentary, right? No. no. no it's, but it's just kind of about how these people in the NBA are getting treated terribly, right? Yes, basically. Yes, okay. That's, I think someone, I heard a review of it that mentioned it would have been interesting as a documentary uh, because that's a very interesting issue, but I, they said it was a good movie. And they said right. it was or not? They, they liked it. I thought it was boring. Oh, really? But uh, what's funny is they have interviews with real NBA players and they're not as interesting as you want them to be. That's maybe where I got confused. They kind of bounce back and forth between real like, and oh, uh, these clips. But anyway, uh, shot on an iPhone. Uh, what were you looking up? Oh, I just, um, to talk about, just a friend of mine once episode, listened to an episode of our podcast and it was the episode where we talked about the little plastic things that played a song. Oh. And she said they're called hit clips. Yeah. She said you brought, bought a little player and then you bought each hit clip separately and they were like $5 and only played part of the song. 
fucking <laughs> ripoff. I didn't know that. I didn't know they only played part of the song. Yeah. That's and then, hilarious. But she even very graciously said, sorry if I'm like the 40th person to text you that. And I said, you're the first. 40 people would be 10 times our listenership. You're literally the first and last yeah. to bring that up. Hit clips. I remember that. I so, wonder if it thanks, was with a Z. Shout out to Aaron Hollander for Thanks for that. I'm very sad that you didn't get the whole song for five dollars. I know. What a what a what a ripoff. I do remember that now. They were like, they were say like, what a jiff. You're not allowed to say it anymore, are you? No, not at all. Okay. No. Yeah. It's like you're not allowed to say um uh a Pikey's picnic either. A what? Pikey is a British slang. For, First off, I've never even heard that phrase. Yeah. Well, actually on Sunset there's a pub called the Pikey. Okay. Uh, but it's a slur for gypsies in the UK. Uh-huh. I, Irish gypsies, I believe. Okay. Um, uh, Marco Pierre White, mentor of Gordon Ramsay, okay. said Pikey's Picnic on the UK version of Hell's Kitchen and was brought to task by really? the public for saying it. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of the contestants was like, some of my best friends are Pikey's. <laughs> Another great ver- uh, example of a British accent yeah. by yours truly. Wow. <laughs> but no, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that a British person just walking in this yeah. room? Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that about my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not supposed to say that about the gypsies. Right. Well, and, uh, what an unfortunate two minutes this has been. Oh, by the way, uh, dealing with issues like that is uh, very inle- uh, like interesting when you talk about those issues on places like Facebook magic forums. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dish. No, there's just so many things where people are like, "Well, you're not supposed to grab a woman's boob anymore during yeah, a show." Yeah. Oh, this these people are so sensitive these. Well, days. you're not supposed to say you want to fuck this woman on stage. Yeah. What? It was like uh, it's. I forget what's come up a couple of times, but that like it wasn't about gypsies. It was just about like jokes. Oh, sorry, I, I did mean to bring it in the same forum. Somebody wrote like, "What are the." What are the lines that people should stop saying in magic acts? Ones that offend people. Uh, oh no! This <laughs> was this was like 500 lines long. A guy had written like, "Here's my list," and funny enough, I think the one "Change Your Mind" was on it. Okay, I love it. It got down to like pick a card. <laughs> some of them were. I mean, some of the people were making a point of like stop, like don't say as many instructional things as you think you need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the whole basis of why Teller doesn't talk. Oh. Because his he his basically his whole thing was everyone taught when he when he started doing he start he 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 chose to not speak during his performances long before he ever met Penn, uh-huh. and what it was he said people talking in magic were either saying something dumb that didn't need to be said or they were just narrating I'm taking the ball I'm putting the ball in my hand the ball's vanished now right and he realized he's like none of that is necessary I'm going to be the opposite kind of magician where I only talk but right. don't do anything right like Penn. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Damn. Yeah, baby. No, I'm kidding. He's great. Duncan on Penn Gillette. Right. That's the new name <laughs> please, of this podcast. Please book me on your show. <laughs> please, I mean, that's a please book me on. Full you know, that's another way if to you're get out there listening. <laughs> that's another way to get notoriety. Is to just like Shit on aim at the people. Well, aim at <laughs> who's the, the who's going down today? Yeah, fucking Escanio. Right. Further into your grave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. So anyway. The funny thing is, there was a joke. Oh, there's a joke on that list that I saw someone do at Kids Brunch at Magic Castle that I genuinely thought was really funny. And so part of it is like, some of the jokes are actually pretty solid. My my guess is I'm going to have heard this joke a hundred times. Uh, he brought a chi- young child up as a volunteer. Okay. And he said... Uh, Wait, is the, is the joke about to happen? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's not enough info for me to guess what the joke is. He said, George, have you ever helped a magician before? And he said no. And what he said, but, well, you're not helping now. Yes, which I thought was genuinely funny when <laughs> right. I saw a magician do it. But I guess it's on the list of cliche jokes to not say. Yeah, as that yeah that doesn't 
that's not popular enough and it's not like hacky enough that it kills me but i wouldn't make that joke because i've heard it before well you probably don't you don't have many jokes do you have any jokes in your act that are not yours or like that are that are pulled from that canon no because because i i I don't and i think that's how it should be not that i'm some like superhero just yeah just do your own jokes like i think that if you independently independently thought of things that are similar to these things i think that's different than just pulling right from a library of pre-written lines sure because i think that there are even when I have suggested jokes to you, I have suggested jokes to you and then seen someone else do a very similar joke. And it's been like, oh, we were just looking at the same elements. Sure. Parallel thought is one thing. But yeah. There is like this canon. And there's this, I remember there was a joke I used to do in my act that was pretty good. It was like yeah. a recurring joke about meeting new people. It was in the about audience. Polish people. Yeah. You, you pulled it. But apparently you're not allowed to say it anymore. <laughs> oh, so sensitive. Oh my gosh. This PC culture. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. It was like a, it was a joke. It was a recurring joke where every time I would meet someone in the audience and they'd help something, I would go, "Hooray, we're friends now!" And then every time I did that, there would be another like two friends, and I'd be like, "I can start a Facebook, like, three friends, oh. proving my dad wrong." And like uh-huh. fourth friend, and like by the fourth time, I was like four friends, and I'd, I don't know, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and it was fine. I stopped doing it because it stopped getting big laughs. Because I think I, 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 I kind of <laughs> your, your disgust for it started showing through. <laughs> I think what it was is that. I I, st- I did that joke when I was like 15, 16, 17 years old. And as I kind of grew out of that. <laughs> it might have been cute for a 16-year-old y- to do that. Yeah, and I think so. Then I, I started writing better jokes to put in with it. And yeah. it helped it. And then I just kind of came to a point where I went, I don't know exactly what this joke is. I don't know totally what it's adding. It was just kind of a silly thing I used to say. So I started, I, I kind of cut it. And it might go, I might, you know, retool it and put it back in. I have an idea for it. Okay. Is there a trick that you can do that sort of uses sort of like parallel actions between two people? Um, yes, there is. So what you could do is like one person's your friend, and then you do something. The second person's your friend, and you're like, "Oh, this is a problem. I, I can I have two friends now. One of you has to be my best friend. So you know what? Let's do something to figure out who, which of you is going to be my best friend. And then you do something basically where like they're doing the same thing to like see who can right. I don't know that'd be cool. Get closer to a card that you've picked or something. Like That's if you could idea. build it into like a next like action, I think that'd be interesting. Um, there was a magician once who suggested an ending to that. It was like, that should be your whole thing. And then the ending of your big trick should have a big banner that says, hooray, we're all friends now. And I went, uh, uh, and he just got arrested for assaulting a minor. <laughs> yeah. Well, that kid wasn't his friend. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, so, you know, rotten jail. Uh, it would be cool if the banner had their names on it. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. That was not the pitch though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's out on bail. Uh, but um, oh, one other question for you. Yeah, are there any card, um, uh, f- like plots dealing with playing the game War? Probably. If, if anyone not, can you can think make of one. one. So, well, I was thinking about like, what if you did a thing where you like went through, but people picked a bunch of things, and then you both had two stacks. And yes, like, now there we're gonna is. Play. There is. Uh, Jason Ladanye has exactly that, where he basically shuffles the cards. Gives the person half, you know, he like deals out the cards, and they keep playing war, and he just wins every every single time, and then he keeps trying uh, trying to handicap himself, right? Um, and then the other person keeps winning. Uh, he he keeps winning. And well, I just thought losing. of something that an accomplished magician has already done. Yeah. Oh, hey, but that means you're as smart as Jason Ladonia. No, because I didn't figure out how it's done. <laughs> Never mind. Fuck you, then. <laughs> I mean, I could just be like, "What if I put a rat in this hat and it died?" <laughs> it's great, right? I oh, what I was saying about that joke, and though, then the, the card whole... is inside the rabbit's corpse, right? 
I think that exists as well. Like a like a like a stuffed rabbit inside is a card. Yeah. Oh, that probably exists. That probably fucking exists too. Probably everything exists. What I was saying about that "Hooray, we're friends" joke is, I remember I did it once. I was like twenty one or twenty two, like three or four years ago, and I someone after the show, this older woman, maybe in her sixties, a member of the castle, and she goes, uh, she goes, she just walks out to me and starts giving me notes on my show, which is already weird. Yeah. She goes, but I did like that Hooray We're Friends joke. I'm going to use that. She said that right to my face. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, wait. Did you say she was a magician too? Yeah. Oh. She walked right She was giving me notes. And then she goes, I like that joke. I'm going to use it. Uh-huh. I'm like, that's not how. Why do you think that's how this works? <laughs> because that is kind of how the culture works, isn't it? Right. It is. And it shouldn't be that way. Because if they're like, I mean, theoretically, if someone said like, oh, that sandwich trick is cool. I'm going to do that. Like there's nothing you can really do to stop. Sure, them. and I, in fact, if someone goes, "Where is that trick?" I'll say, "Oh, like I just did on this podcast. That's from Pitt Hartling's book, In Order to Amaze. That is not my trick." Right. You know, someone once at the Magic Apple asked me about blindfold routine, walking through every step of it because it's not my trick. Yeah. I have things that I've added to it that make it feel personal to me and justify right. why I choose to do it, especially because it's not super popular and I had to dig through it some books to find it. Right. You know, I could put in the work certainly. I didn't just like buy it, but it's not mine. I can't be like, "Well, I'll, I won't tell you." Yeah. You better look it up. I did the work. Fuck off. It's not my trick. <laughs> so that's what that lady did. She was like, you know what? Where's that joke from? You? Great. I have the source. Now right. I'll use it. So you should go see her next performance. And when she does it, go, no, no, they're, they're not friends. They did. They <laughs> no don't know friend of mine. This, uh, that's not what friendships are established on. Right. And then just do a long diatribe. That'll work out great. Oh, also for our recurring segment, who are your uh, list of hot magicians this week to, to objectify? Ooh, uh, who do I have so far? Paul Wilson, uh, Jason England. Oh, Jason England, very Miguel handsome. and Helhea. Miguel and Helhea. Uh I must have seen somebody. Uh, did I already say, I say Nick Lawrence? He's a creator. No, they will put Nick Lawrence on them. Okay, he made a, a thing called Evolve. I don't know, uh, that which is like a flap card folded up flap card. Oh, cool! I tried. I made an example of it and. Uh, the magnets in it were so strong that when I released it, there's a really loud clack as like, you know, which is not a sound that cards would normally make. All right, you I heard it here you. first. Nick Lawrence is a hottie, but he can't make good magic. No, no, no. I uh, I had the instructions for how to make something, and I, I purchased uh, magnets that are too strong. Actually, when you go to places like magnets.com or K&J Magnetics to buy magnets, it's actually very hard these days to find sort of like weaker magnets sure like they're they're so strong that if you if you, you know the thing about like children like ingest them and then because they're very they're tiny right and then in I, the, I don't want i shouldn't be laughing at this but it's uh, in the coils I'm kids stuck to a to a to a refrigerator well no in the coils of the small intestine as the intestine goes back and forth the magnets magnetize to each other through the walls of the intestine and never leave the body oh no and and can like cut off the intestinal flow Oh, that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. But you still have a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> More of in shock. Yeah. But well, hold on. But that means if a kid only swallows one magnet, he's fine. Yes, that's true. So, Or he swallows two together. That should be okay. Oh, if they stick together, yes. That's yeah, they're true. stuck together before yeah. he this swallows This was particularly them. a problem when people were selling those little buckyballs. Those little, those little, it's like a little ball bearings that were magnets. You can make into all these crazy shapes. Oh, yeah. That was a big issue. Um, the last thing I want to say was I think this might be a very good year for magic books. Because um, I'm sure that this magic rainbow is going to be like considered a 
important book this year. Well, I mean, it's 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 like it's thirty years been, old, it's like twenty years. It old. It was out in Spanish. Yeah, but this is the first English version yeah. of it. Um, but also, anytime Jerks puts out a book, which it, they did, mm-hmm. which Andy did, uh, Magic for Young Lovers, and the Harrapon on Principia book mm-hmm. are all. I hear a lot of magicians talking about like people don't read books enough, but it seems like there's lots of good books. Right, a lot of good books. I don't know. Do you think that like I love a book? Do you think that there's more uh, people talking about reading books than actually are reading them? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because this is interesting. My first couple ten pages of reading the Magic Rainbow uh, were tough going. <laughs> I I can't wait to have a real tough time reading this. Who translated it? Do you know? Is it Raphael Benatar? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well. Pat Benatar? Pat, yeah, oh, was it Pat Benatar? Yeah, she's good. Um, so are you at Magic Board this coming week? Yeah, um, on Tuesday the 12th, me and uh, Robert Ramirez. Cool. Um, and then you have a couple weeks in a row. Yeah, three weeks in a row. And then you're going to... I'm going to... Phoenix? To uh, I'm going to Phoenix this weekend. Are you going to investigate if there's a magic store there? Uh, oh, I can look into it. Yeah, um, but I'll be, you know, with UCLA. Just in the middle of a mock trial, just right. produce some... Some split fans. Yeah, I did do that when I was competing. I had did that once. I did did you ma- really? I did a, during a practice. They wanted to like do magic. I know I did magic as a, as, a, as a witness, I, as a character. I, would, I did magic. <laughs> or t- okay, yeah. Oh boy, have did a- you say they need actors for the Los Angeles? Like, do you ever have rehearsals in LA that they need actors for? What do you mean? To be witnesses and stuff? Or oh they, no, it's uh, you guys do it. We do it. Damn we it, do all of it. Yeah, sorry. I wanted like I think you should bring improvisers in to be like. Have them play insane characters. <laughs> we should. I, I've always wanted to bring improvisers in to help write jokes. Oh yeah, yeah. So we'll you want to come to next a season, whatever your next uh, year mm-hmm. is. Uh, okay, I'm at. Uh, what is today? Sunday. That is Sunday. Uh, I will be at Magic to Do. Cool. UCB Sunset. There That's a magic show in Los Angeles. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, improv is a form of magic, right. you guys. Uh, Friday, I'll be. I should be at Baby Ones Candy. My husband Eric is going to Adelaide, Australia for. Mm-hmm. Seven weeks. Wow. If you're there, go see Thrones the Musical at the Adelaide Fringe. I'll be moving into this house to keep you well, company. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like I will be uh, pro- be doing a lot of comedy shows. And I will be playing a lot of video games. But if anybody out there has magic that you want me to go see, uh, I'm I'm going to be very free for the next seven weeks. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Unless I get this freaking Broadway play. Right. Which uh, I, first day rehearsal is February 26th. Oh, wow. It That's coming in, up. It goes until July. Wow. So I uh, I wouldn't see Eric. Eric's le- leaving today. Like I wouldn't see him or we wouldn't live together again until July wow. if I get this. So this is a, that is an argument for why I probably will book this because it will fuck my life up completely if yeah. I book this up. Yeah. Like I, I will have to find someone to like take care of our house for a month while we're both gone. Right. So inevitably in show business, that's how it works. It's like you just, whatever can screw up your life the most by fucking being on Broadway Congratulations. <laughs> I think I'm safe. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we'll see you in a couple days because we're going to... Yeah, we're going to try Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, sorry we were late on this one, but, right. you know, it's okay. And closing guitar music. <laughs> the setup. The setup. <laughs> <laughs>